Hello and welcome to Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate classic rock podcast with a new episode released every single day. I'm Paul Stevenson. Thanks as always for hitting play. Now, today's big interview show is another side two episode, as it's a guest that I've had on the show before. Former Rainbow lead singer who's also sang leads for Ingve Malmsteen and Michael Schenker. I'm talking about Doogie White. Doogie is always great value, and I had him on the show originally on episode 37 of Vintage Rock Pod way back in 2021. So do go and check that out, please. Now, the reason for getting Doogie back on today is because he's currently singing leads for the band Alcatraz. Now, Alcatraz were originally formed in 1983 by another former Rainbow vocalist, Graham Bonnet. They put out some top albums in the 80s, including No Parole from Rock and Roll and Disturbing the Peace. And uh, after splitting in the mid-80s, they came back in 2020. But Graham left the group and the boys hired Doogie. He recorded with them for their 2021 release 5, or V, and they are back now with another record, which is called Take No Prisoners. It's a hard-rocking affair with some cool melodic parts and catchy sing-along parts too. Very well produced and definitely well worth a listen. This record is due for release next month and you can pre-order it now. As well as chatting about this new record, we also hear about working with Richie Blackmore and Rainbow. There's a story about Tony Iommi and what could have been, and who his first musical love was. So, please enjoy this chat with singer Doogie White. So, uh, the brand new Alcatraz album. It's the third since 2020, and it's the second since you joined the band in uh, 2021, I think it was. You, you, you hooked up with the boys. Now, this one is called Take No Prisoners. Uh, you've been on the road. There's the new music, so there's definitely no signs of slowing down for you, is there? No. There's no... There's, you know, there's no... Um, the, the pandemic sort of... I like being on the road, and I like, I like writing and, and getting into the studio and recording. And th- I think this is the second album that we did in about eight, with Alcatraz in 18 months. And, and we're, we're, firing on all, we're firing on all cylinders. And so while it's hot and while it's good, let's just keep going. I mean, that's really how, that's really how we're kind of looking at it. And as with every album that we've done, well, every album we've done, the two albums that we've done, we've over we overwrote. So we, so we have about eight songs that are great songs, but they didn't fit in. Some of them didn't fit in with uh, with V, which was the first one I did, and the uh, or five, depending on how you look at it. And 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 with the new one. <clears throat> uh, we we've got four or five left over from that as well, you know. So that's so that's all that's all positive, because they just sometimes they sit together and sometimes they don't. And in terms of when you, you talk about sitting together and sometimes they don't things like that, I mean, Jimmy said that there was a almost a purposeful decision, wasn't there, to 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 build the sound into a kind of British European metal, powerful but melodic sort of sound. Now, did you have any influence in that? No, I don't. I, I I'm. My my job. I don't hear really what they're doing. Uh, Joe and Jimmy work very very closely together, um, and and Jimmy works very closely with the management, and they kind of structure what it is they want want to do. I mean, I threw some ideas at them, um, but they were like, "No, we want to go. We want to get a bit heavier than that," and because what we want to do. What we want to do is, is is to build this as a new brand. I mean, this is not, this is not. I mean, we can't reinvent the wheel, right? I mean, we can't do that, you know. But if we can reinforce the steel a wee bit, and that's what we're trying, you know, then we can, we can, 
attract, we've got the rainbow fans, we've got the deep purple fans, we've got the Engbe fans. Let's go and see if we can get some Judas Priest fans and some Maiden fans in there as well. Because, you know, for me, it's all just, you know, it's all broken down into genres now. But I mean, for me, it's just, it's just heavy metal or, or heavy rock, you know, either or, either or works for me. And, and so what I get sent through, then it's up to me to try and find something that will complement the work that these guys have done. That's interesting because my next question there, Jimmy again was talking about where his inspiration comes from and he says he gets inspired by the other members of the band and he said that he loves your lyrics and, and that sort of thing. And so so what, what is it that inspires you? Is it just the music or do you take your inspiration from other things around the world or what's going on? Or? Well, I hear, the, I hear the music and I have, I have lyric books lying around um, that go back quite a bit. There's a song on the album called Salute the Colours and I was sitting here watching the news and and the blonde idiot was the prime minister at the time <laughs> and the queen wasn't very well so prince charles had to go and read this guy's lies and he was and you could see the disgust in his face while he was reading this in the majesty's government well, you know and you could just see the disgust in his face and so that was really that was a that was about that you know, and about the, you know, now that the Queen's no longer with us, you know, it, it, the whole privilege thing, you know, I mean, the Queen was part of it, practically everybody that's alive today's life at some point, and now she's not. And I think that, I think the privilege, you know, the, the, God, the Jacob Reed smogs of the world. I mean, if he, if he talked the bullshit he talks in a Glasgow accent, nobody would listen to a word he said. <laughs> You know, but there's, there's the, the, the the whole class system is just riddled with it, it disgusts me to be honest. You know, and I think I think it's time for, I think it's time for a change, and um, and whether we'll get that change in my lifetime or not, you know. Um, but we're too passive, and, and we doffer caps to these guys, and it just it, it makes me sick. So, uh, so yes, I take the I take these kind of things that are going on round about me. Uh, you know, things like Don't Get Mad, Get Even, which was originally called Batshit Crazy. And they said, you can't, we can't have a song called Batshit Crazy. Nobody will play it, you know, and they won't be able to say it anywhere or whatever. And um, and I liked it. I liked it very much. And it wasn't going to make the album. And um, so two days before we started recording, we recorded my vocals in a studio behind the Playhouse here in Edinburgh. And um, and and I just woke up in the morning one day, and it, and clearly I dreamt this thing in my head, and I just went down and just jumped in, and I recorded it. Excuse me, I recorded it in my wee home studio here, and then I said to them when I went down to the studio, I said, "Right, we're going to put up Bad Shit Crazy," and they're like, oh. and I sang that, and they went, "Ah, okay," uh, and we liked it, and then. We asked girls' school if they would uh, come in and do the backing vocals. I think they probably did that in a dressing room or a hotel room, just with the four girls <laughs> singing around. And it just lift, it lifted the song, you know, because we've got because it's a very accessible tune. You know, we've got songs on there, you know, that that are that are seriously album tracks. But you have to have songs on there that. The, the the radio stations will play 
you know. So so we've got three or four of them, and we've got a few really sort of dark and heavy things going on. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, Don't Get Mad, Get Even, because that is, as you said, it's so catchy. Yeah. Uh, listening to the album, I mean, that's the one that it stuck in my head. And it is, it's kind of the melodic, the catchy chorus that, like you said, hugs people in, and especially with Girls' School on the back of it as well, on the yeah. backing vocals. That was a really canny move of uh, of whoever came up with it to get, to get them to do that. Yeah, very clever indeed. And talking to girls' school, I mean, you guys, you taught you taught a lot together. And you taught—is it recently you taught together with them as well? Yeah, we 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 toured we toured Europe with them uh, August September last year, and we toured with them earlier on this year in the UK, um, which was our second U- UK t- tour in a year because the last one we did, we lost a few gigs because a couple of people caught COVID. Yeah. So I was lead singer. Van driver, Rode, uh, van delivery man back to Preston, you know, and, and you know, but we're all in it. To, we're all in it together, you know, you know, and 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 we know we know what we're getting involved in. We know the challenges, we know the successes, we know the pitfalls, and we know what we know what we need to do to try and 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 ele- elevate this version of Alcatraz to putting on great shows, having great songs and, and 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 drawing audiences in. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. And another track on the album to just to mention as well, Strangers. I mean, that's, that's different in the fact that it's kind of really mon- melodic to begin with, isn't it? And then it just becomes this huge shredding piece by the end of it. It's another fantastic track on that record. Well, it was sent to me in two parts, so I thought it was two oh, songs. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because the and it said strangers one, strangers two, and so I thought it, that was just the working titles for them. So I wrote two completely different songs, ah. and then they put them together, and and of course Jimmy's Moog solo that leads that whole section in from yep. slower, darker part to the really demonic, heavy end um, is just astonishing. I mean, I it. it it's one of my favourite parts in the album. I just love the sound he gets and I love the notes he plays and the, and the way that he's playing it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, talking about guitarists, obviously you've worked with some of the greatest guitarists around there, but um, what would you say about Joe then? I mean, you've worked with him for the last couple of years. What would you say about Joe's playing? Well, jo- Joe's, Joe's playing is astonishing as well. I mean, he's, 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 he's a very accomplished player and he's very, very well respected. And he's not a one-trick pony. You know, on V, he did a lot of his shredding and and so we all know that he can shred. And for this album, he turned it round, and and he drew from other wells of 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 inspiration and of his capabilities, you know. And he's got some, he's because he's put a lot more melody into this stuff, you know. I mean, shredding's all good and well, but there's a place for it. So he'll do sixteen bars of playing along, and then all of a sudden there'll be a snare drum hit, and all and and all bets are off. And but I, I, I like him as a I like him as a human being. Um I love his accent. He's got a great sense of humor. He's a delightful man and he's a brilliant guitar player. Fantastic stuff. And um just in terms of the album itself, it's something I like to ask people. What's your favorite track on the record? You can't see that. <laughs> I mean there's one track in the album, there's one track in the album that disappointed me, but it doesn't seem to bother anybody else, so I'm not going to mention it. <laughs> um, it might grow on me, um, but but overall, I'm I'm really pleased with the album. 
you know, and I haven't heard it. I have. I don't have a copy of it. I mean, I've only I've only heard the 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 the, the mixes. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that when I when I get a copy, which I, I'll be getting next week, I suppose, before I go to Loch Morley, so I can listen Very to nice. the car. You see, um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it and cranking it up and give, giving it a good blast because I think it deserves it. I think the songs are strong. I think the performances are strong. The, the the stories that are contained within the lyrics or otherwise are strong as well. Fantastic stuff. And that album's available on May the 25th and it's available yeah, to pre-order I now. Was, I, there's two contrasting things here. I thought it was May the 18th, right? That's oh, what right. I've been told. And, and, and then somebody else said to me yesterday, is it the 18th or the 25th? So I'm go, you go with the 25th, I'll go with the 18th. Right, <laughs> and it will be there at some point. It's available in, in May sometime. Yeah, that was just the release some, I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah May. Yeah. Yeah, fine. The main thing is to pre-order it now to make sure you get the copy, whether it comes out on the 18th or the 25th. You Absolutely. guarantee it. Yeah. Um, do you know about it, whether we're going to get vinyl copies, oh, yes. and CDs, and things? Oh, yes. There is physical copies. Brilliant. Yeah, we signed. We were shooting a video for. Um, uh, was it? Don't know. For battle lines, I think it was. It was one of the, one of them. We were shooting one of them down in the underworld in London the day after we played there. And um, the record company came along and and they they gave us 12-inch cards, right? And we had to sign them. I think there was four or 500 of them. And, and you forget your name after a while when you're sitting <laughs> there. So I was just putting cryptic messages in them, some of them as well. And and what the and, and and then I said to them, well, why? They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just writing cryptic messages. I said, but what I'll do is I'll just write in one of them something, and then we'll and then whoever gets that one will get the joy of having a twenty minute or a half hour video call with me. Ah, well, there you, know, you go. So uh, so they're sending me up two cop- vinyl copies next week. So I might be talking to myself. <laughs> which, won't, which, won't, which won't be unusual if I'm, true, if I'm honest <laughs> <laughs> all the more reason to get hold of a copy like I said you can pre-order it now so that you get hold of the copy when it comes out whether it's the 18th or whether it's the 25th yep. it's definitely worth getting hold of it's a fantastic record from Alcatraz and it's great to see you guys are still producing great music and things like that and, and pushing like you said pushing the brand and getting the music out there yeah we it, it, it ha- it, we have to what would be nice would be to get a, would be to get a good support through the UK and Europe so that we can play to more people. Um, and the radio air, the, the radio airplay is helping with that, you know, that people are getting to hear it. Uh, and there's been no complaints about the change of singer. So, so I'm very, I'm very, very happy about that. Um, there, there hasn't been one dissenting voice uh, in, in reviews or in interviews or indeed from audiences at all. You know, so clearly we're doing something uh, correctly, and that's that's how we want it to be. Absolutely, because like you say, it's a it's a heritage band. They go back to the eighties, and obviously another big name singer, a certain Mister Graham Bonnet, was involved as well. So Graham's it, an old Graham's an old mate of mine, and yes. Graham was up here, and it must have been twenty nineteen. It was before the um, it was before the pandemic, and they phoned me up and said, "Look, can, Graham's a bit bored." You know, can you take him out and show him Edinburgh? So we went out and we had coffee and and we wandered around graveyards and things as you do here and and up haunted lanes and things. 
And we, and we were chatting away, and I've known Graham for 25 years. I mean, we've toured the world together, uh, you know, not just with not just with Michael, but, you know, with with, with Joel and Turner and stuff. I mean, we've, we've had a great time together. And he just said to me, oh, I hate this. I've always hated it. You know, I never liked it when I was doing it with Mal- Malmsteen, and I don't like didn't like it when I was doing it with Vi, and I'm not enjoying it anymore. And stupidly, I said to him, look, man, you're 72 years old. You know, you're a legend. You've got a great voice. You still look the part. Your writing is terrific. Why don't you just, before it all comes to a crashing end, go and do something you want to do? So I got a phone call. <laughs> got a phone call from the management about a month later or six weeks later going, um, Graham's quit the band. That's your fault. So you ha- so you have to come and help us out because we've got two dates. And I went, okay. And I said, but why don't we just write an album? I'm not going out to be part of a Graham Bonnet cover band, you know. So that's what we did. And that's and that sparked all of this whole this whole thing running, running away with itself. And you know, and if we can do an album every 18 months. You know, I mean, I've already got a couple of ideas, and I'm sure that Joe and Jimmy do as well, um, ju- just to keep it going. Because when we're this confident and when we're this positive and when we're not sick of each other, you know, you, you can you can really work it and you can really work it and take advantage of it. And, um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, the, the, the tour to support this album will be... Uh, will be bigger and brighter than the tour that we've just done to support the last one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed. Now, just some other questions. I mean, we'd be talking about uh, Graham there and, um, and Richie and things like that. Now, Richie famously didn't like the fact that Graham had short hair. Did Richie ever offer you any style advice or hair advice or fashion he, advice? He wanted me to wear white on stage. That's what he asked me to, that's what he asked me to do. And I said, no. And he said, well, it'd be a good contrast between my black and your white. And your name's white, my name's Blackmore. I was like, well, you know, the laundry bills will be massive, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'd look like an ice skater spinning around and jumping up and down on the stage. So I just said no. And he was like, okay, then. So that was fine. Don't overdress. So I kind of underdressed a wee bit. You know, because he, you know, but he went out and just, I mean, he was brilliant to work with. He was brilliant to work with, you know. And there's one of the tunes on there, actually. I'm trying to remember the name of it now, but it it just talks about old friend, realise power and the glory. You know, and that's really written about my, you know, my past life working with him and working with Envy and working with Tank and Midnight Blue and all the bands that I was with previously, you know. All the all the fun that we had when we were doing it, and then COVID came in and killed it. Uh, but 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 I think we're all getting back to it now. I, I was a bit nervous about going back out again. I thought, do I really want to do this? You know. But that last European tour, the the last UK tour was just brilliant, and I've done a European tour on my own since then. Yeah. I just got back a couple of weeks ago. And that was just magic as well. And 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 so the fire for the live performance is burning inside me now, you know. And so um, so I'm out running. I'm getting down the gym, you know, because uh, like most of us, COVID took a wee bit of, uh, you know. <laughs> yep. Pizza's delivered, please. Thanks very much. 
<laughs> can totally relate, can totally relate. Um, you mentioned Richie then being great and things like that. I mean, obviously, he's famously a difficult character to work with sometimes. Um, did you come across any of that difficulty or is he just um, a top bloke with you most of the time? Well, the the... I always got on well with them. It's not my name on the on the board. It's not me selling. It's not me selling the tickets. It's him selling the tickets. I was in a very lucky position. He could have he could have chosen any singer in the world to come and join him, but he chose me, and I'll be eternally grateful for that because it gave me a springboard to do the thing. Not so much with Schenker, but but with Ingvi and 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 Alcatraz and thing. You know, it it's, it it gave me a, a a worldwide audience. You know, and I've had a lot of work come from that worldwide audience, and because of my collaboration with Richie, and to some extent Envy as well, um, and 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 so I'll always be grateful to him for that. We never really had any run-ins. We used to go to blockbusters together and get when there was no football on. I used to go down to his house when we weren't doing anything. Go down to his house and 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 we'd sit and watch the Princess Bride, or you know. The appointment, I mean, just rubbish movies, the two years walking around going, what's this one? At Blockbusters. But we got on really well. And then one day, one day it just, he just went, and it was gone, man. And it was gone as quick as that. And we played football the day before the last show uh, in Esberg in Denmark. We played the show. Nothing was wrong. And uh, then it all within an hour of us coming off stage, it was all sort of, and I, I, I went home and just phoned them up and just handed in my resignation. Said, oh, no. you know, unless I hear from you in 24 hours, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this anymore." And and that was it. That was that was it. And I've never spoken to him since. You know, but he's always he's always treated me fairly. I mean, I did contact him because because I was owed some. Uh, we had a publishing agreement for the songs that I'd written, and I provided his management with the evidence that I was due funds, and they wouldn't pay. So I just wrote to him directly and said, look, man, you know, and he went, okay, there you go. And the check was in the post. So I've always had a great, I've always had a great respect for him for that reason. But, he, you know, he, he's, he's very good at bringing new people in and taking people, not necessarily off the streets, you know, but out of clothing shops or out of being a coach builder or whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and then he, and then he sets you free to do what, what you know, he sucks you in, bleeds you dry, and then sets you free and you can go off and if you can find your wings you can fly some do some don't you know yeah. and 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 that and that's one of his that's one of his great gifts to to the world of rock and roll is the amount of people who he has given careers to that you would maybe never have heard of yeah and and we've all got to be very grateful for that i mean david coverdale could still be selling suits in red car you know ronnie deal could still be trying to get off to do something you know, Graham Bonnet could still be crooning away in Australia, but you know, I could still be sit sleeping somebody's uh, floor in, in in London. But he gave us he gave us all this opportunity to go out there and and, and make something of ourselves. And if you grasped it, you grasped it. And if you didn't, you didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple of kind of generic questions then. Um, if you look back at your career, is there any one standout moment that you look back and go, was that me? Is that me? Was that the, the can't believe that actually happened kind of thing? Well, I think it's, I, I think it was when, uh, when Richie sort of said you're in. I mean, that was, that was, and it happened. I don't know if he actually did 
But he asked me what kind of album I would like to make, and I said a cross between Burn and Rainbow Rising, and I could just see his eyes lighting up, you know. Uh, and, and and that's what we did. And, you know, the, I it's like I suppose it's like your first girlfriend, you know, and then and then you marry somebody who wasn't your first girlfriend. There's that there's that under there's just that underlying vibe and feeling that you that you get. And Richie played in two of my favorite bands of all time and, and did some of the greatest music and a lot and I learned a lot of my chops from those albums. And you know, so to be to be chosen and to, you know, one of only seven guys that have written with them and recorded with them. Um, and, you know, more men have walked in the moon. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and it, so, so I was very, I was very pleased, and I was very pleased not to be asked back. You know. <laughs> um, and uh, one, have you ever been given a brilliant piece of advice during your career? And if so, what was it, and by who? No, um, well, no, don't get drunk, don't be stoned, know your lines, turn up in time and leave your ego in a bag. So I have a wee bag that actually I got for my birthday from Richie and Candy. There's got wee moons and stars on it. I've got it through there somewhere. And I just put my ego in that anywhere I go, you know, whether it's solo geek stuff or whether it's tank or whether it, whoever, it doesn't matter. And I put the ego in there and I just zip it up and I give it to my wife and I say, I'll get that when you get back, when I get back. Because, there's, you know, there's no, ro- there's no room for that. You know, my job is to go out there and it's, it's to entertain, not to be a rock star. I mean, I can, the only place I can't walk around, you know, is Japan. And that's because, you know, I can go anywhere else and walk around and, and I can come off the stage and people will go, where's the toilets, mate? You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and I used to do that. I used to do that with um, with with Schenker. I used to go off the stage um, uh, when he was doing Rock Bottom, and I would watch and see what the lights were doing, and hear what the sound was, and watch what was going on. And nobody even recognised me. And it's I've, I've just have this anonymous face. <laughs> you no, know? I just have this anonymity. And that and that's a good thing because I can't imagine what it must be like to be Gene Simmons or 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 any of these guys that walk around. You know, I mean, you can't even go to the shops, yeah. you know. Yeah. And speaking about not being recognised, you mentioned before we started recording here about uh, Don Dokken. You were playing a tournament yeah, you know, for six weeks. <laughs> exactly. On the road with Don Dokken, I'm sitting on the bus talking to uh, talking to my wee mate, and he walked on and he went, "Where the fuck are you?" I'm like. I'm the singer in the band. Never seen you before. <laughs> okay, but that's but that's good. I with envy especially. I because there was always a there was always a lot of bowing and stuff at the end. And I used to just I used to have my bag ready, and 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 I would just run off, dump my stuff in the bus, and go to the pub. And I'd be in the pub while they were probably still bowing, having a glass of wine, and then, and. And I just sat there with my hair and a ponytail and a hat on and my glasses. And it wasn't until I asked for another glass of wine that people would go, I can't be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and then the last question from me, if you could collaborate with uh, any musician, living or dead, I know you've already collaborated with some incredible ones in your career, but if you could collaborate with anyone, living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, I would, 
I would have quite liked to have done backing vocals for David Bowie. Okay, yeah, yeah. I would, you know, because I just, you know, he he was he was my he was my first love, really, um, till till I till I heard Deep Purple, and you know he he did some astonishing stuff, and just to see him perform every night, because you know to have that energy and that and that grace and that presence, you know, we'll never see we'll never see his likes again. You know, if we're moving, if we're moving into the, excuse me, if we're moving into the 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 sort of rock field, I quite fancied having, I quite fancied having a, a bash with Tony Iommi, but that when he phoned me, right, I've never told him this before. He phoned, he phoned me up one February, and he said, "Is that Dougie?" I said, "Aye." He says, "This is Tony Iommi." I was like, "Oh, what can I do for you, Tony?" He says, I've been writing this, these songs and I don't know whether to give them to Ozzy or Ronnie or to try someone new. He said, what are you doing? Oh. I said, I'm just about to go on tour with Ingvi. Oh, no. Okay, <laughs> thanks very much. And I never heard from him again. And I bumped into him. I bumped into him somewhere. Uh, and it actually, that became the Heaven and Hell album, uh, Bible Black. That's where that came from. And, uh, and I met him. And I went up and apologised. I went, you lost. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what can you say to that? <laughs> yeah, nothing. But he, 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 was very, he was very gracious. He was a very nice lad, you know. It's, but you just, you, you work with these guys and you just have to leave your ego at the door, man. You know, don't be an arsehole. Anybody can be an arsehole. You know? Yeah, very true. Well, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. You've certainly not been an arsehole. Thanks so much for speaking to me, Doogie, again. Uh, it's been wonderful having you on. And uh, like I said earlier, please pre-order the brand new Alcatraz album. It's out either the 18th or the 25th of May. But if you pre-order it now, you'll get it when it comes out. And hopefully you'll get the nice little signature and the message from Doogie. We've got a half hour chat and a cup of tea and a Jaffa cake. A Jaffa cake as well. Crikey, I'm oh. buying five. <laughs> Good to see you, man. Thank you very much. Get Lovely. No worries. All right. I will do. Enjoy Lock Morley. All right, I will. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Take care. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Thank you. Man. Bye. Bye-bye. And a big thanks to Doogie White there. For more chat from Doogie, check out my previous interview with him way back on episode 37 of Vintage Rock Pod. A big thank you then for listening to today's big interview show. Make sure you subscribe to Vintage Rock Pod on this app that you're listening to this on right now so that you don't miss every episode that comes out. One comes out every single day and the only way to listen to those episodes is by making sure you subscribe on your app to Vintage Rock Pod. And also make sure you're subscribed on Vintage Rock Pod's YouTube channel as well. You get to see the fun parts of interviews in video format, of course, but you can also join in every single day with the Classic Rock Poll, which always stirs up great debates. So make sure you get on YouTube, search for Vintage Rock Pod, and hit the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. Anyway, I'll be back tomorrow with another This Day Rocks podcast. So until then, take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 